Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Yoga Benito, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I'm your host, Michael Leboff, and joining me today are my colleagues and footy friends, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. Gentlemen, a lot has changed in the Premier League since we last spoke about a fortnight ago. Norwich City, they got their first win, then they immediately sacked their manager, Daniel Farka, replaced him with Dean Smith, who himself was sacked just a few days before that by Aston Villa. He was replaced by Steven Gerrard, formerly of Rangers and a former Liverpool legend. Also, Eddie Howe, he's now in charge officially of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia's Premier League team in Newcastle. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's still at Manchester United and West Ham. They moved ahead of Liverpool with a win over the Reds in front of a stupendous crowd at Olympic Stadium. And that's where we will start this week's show with Liverpool, the match of the week, I would say. They're taking on Arsenal at Anfield. Liverpool, they're minus 215 favorites. Arsenal coming back, plus 550. The draw, 4-1. to one. It's a 12.30 p.m. kickoff Eastern time on Saturday. BJ, you're an Arsenal fan. Mikel Arteta has seemingly sunk his teeth into this team. He's galvanized them. It's a lot of young players. They're coming into some pretty good form. But this Liverpool team, this is a pretty good matchup for them, it seems like. And it could be that perfect time to maybe sell high on the Arteta hype. Is that how you're playing this one? Yeah, this is a very interesting match for a lot of reasons. First, Arsenal has been the best team in the Premier League over the last eight match days, picking up 20 points. But in those eight matches, they haven't really been tested. The, probably the best team they face throughout those matches is Leicester. Uh, they won 2 nothing, but they lost the expected goals battle. And Arsenal over those eight matches had a plus 3.97 non-penalty expected goal differential, which was fourth in the Premier League. Even their last match against Watford, yeah, they put up 1.5 expected goals and won one nothing, but half of that came off a missed penalty from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. They had 
13 shots and only created 0.7 expected goals outside of the penalty. So uh, that's not good going up against a Liverpool uh, defense that has been playing pretty well. Now, Arsenal's defense has been really good with Ben White and Gabrielle at the center back pairing. Their last eight matches together, they're only allowing 0.98 expected goals per match. But again, this is by far the best offense they've seen. Liverpool has consistently just shredded really good defenses. They had 7.22 expected goals in four matches against West Ham, Manchester City, and two matches against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. And the biggest problem for Arsenal in this match is they don't press at a very high rate, which we've seen how you actually beat Liverpool, you know, using Brighton and West Ham as examples. Arsenal is dead last and passes per defensive action, 19th in total pressures. So Liverpool is basically going to be able to pick out whatever passes they want. This is a really bad matchup for Arsenal. The last four times they've gone to Anfield, they've lost by multiple goals. I have Liverpool's spread projected at minus 1.42. So I think there's some value on Liverpool at home at minus one and a half at plus 130. And I think uh, Arsenal's probably going to start to regress, sadly. Yeah, Arsenal only six points off the top of the table all of a sudden. Pretty wild. I will say one thing, like we talked about it, or in the earlier episodes, Liverpool's schedule was very favorable to start the season. They started to play some tougher teams. Uh, they have two wins, two draws, and a loss. That loss came to West Ham. Draws against Brighton and City, so good teams. So that's over their last five. So they're slowing down a little bit. I think I'm going to wait to see where this thing goes. I'm going to bet it. I would be much more inclined to betting a small bet on Arsenal if this number drifts, but I'm not totally sure if it will because of what we've seen in the market and the fact that Arsenal are coming in at such a high and Liverpool are coming off the loss at West Ham. Anthony, do you think to, this line is going to move towards Arsenal, away from Arsenal, and how are you betting it? Yeah, you know, Arsenal's seen a little bit of love in the market uh, here. I thought we'd get sub 200. We did not. I was disappointed. That's where I was hoping to jump in on Liverpool. I'm going to wait to see how the market moves on this one, but I think BJ mentioned the number one point here. Arsenal dead last in passes per defensive action. Liverpool first in opponents' passes per defensive uh, action allowed. It's very hard to see how Arsenal consistently wins the ball off Liverpool here and can then start counterattacks that way. They're also so used to having the ball when they play these kind of minnow sides in the Premier League and, and they've set up good possession structures and Arteta deserves credit for improving the Arsenal defense. We've seen in the past under Arteta though, is when they play these big sides who don't let them have the ball, who press them uh, with intensity and who, who make them rush a little bit, not have you know just easy, slow possession. They've struggled a lot more. You've seen that in games against Manchester City and Chelsea and Liverpool in the last few years. They played last year. Arsenal snuck a fluke goal and then got completely run off the pitch. The only two times that they've really managed to find success has been sitting in a deep low block and then hitting a counter or two. It worked against City in the FA Cup semifinals back in 2019, the beginning of the Arteta era. And then even last year when they uh, played Chelsea at the end of the season, they got a result similar way, but they got pretty fortunate. I, I just don't have a lot of faith in Arsenal's defense here. I know that they they played better of late, but like BJ mentioned, the improving schedule or the easier schedule uh, gets a whole lot harder in this game. And you're going to see a Liverpool team that's going to have both Fabinho and Thiago back, it looks like. So no Bobby Firmino, he's out a while. Jota fits in nicely there, almost one goal and assist per 90 this year. Uh, but Fabinho and, and Thiago make a huge difference in Liverpool midfield. Yeah, one thing I'll point out is that uh, Mikel Arteta is a Pep Guardiola disi disciple, so that means he will just switch formations at a moment's notice. Arsenal has messed around a little bit with a 4-4-2. Against Manchester City, they played a 4-5-1, so we could see Arsenal come out in something very defensive and try to play too low box and hit Liverpool on the counter, but no matter which way you look at it, it's just not a good matchup for Arsenal. 
All right, let's uh, move on to Saturday, 7.30 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Leicester City at home, plus 3.80, taking on top of the table Chelsea. They're minus 130, the draw plus 2.75. Leicester's been all over the map uh, this season. They had a bad draw against Crystal Palace, followed that up with a big win against Manchester United, then consolidated that with a gutsy win over Brentford, and then an unlucky-ish loss against Arsenal, and then a bad draw against Leeds. This team, they drive me nuts. I think they drive all of us nuts. I don't think that... They're worth the bet at this number if it does tick up at home. Because I do think they're going to score in this game. I think this Chelsea defense is a little bit vulnerable and Leicester has the finishers to get at them. But I need this number to tick up a little bit more for me to get involved in the Leicester money line. But that's basically the only way I'm looking at it. Uh, Anthony, what about you? Yeah, one major question mark here for Leicester. Yuri Tielemans was injured before the international break. Did not play for Belgium uh, in those matches that they had in the European qualifiers. Leicester City don't really have anybody who can kind of replace his passing slash possessing ability in the middle of the park. He's not really a ball winner, but he does a good job with progressive passing and the way Madison's been playing where he's been very out of form. Uh, Tielemans has been very important for them. Chelsea, when leading this year, averaging 1.68 expected goals allowed per 90. They have not been able to kill off games effectively. Third most minutes played when leading too. So it's not really a small sample. They've been ahead a lot and they haven't been very good defensively when they've been ahead. I think that's really a spot where they're vulnerable if they get an early goal, which they've gotten a ton of early goals this year. I think Leicester will be able to get back into this game, despite Leicester playing as a bit of a counterattacking kind of team uh, when they play against the big boys. I may end up playing Leicester as well, but really I'm looking to play both teams to score here. Minus 118 is the current number that you can shop around. There's some 120s, 115s, 118 is uh, where I am. Four goals allowed from 11.1 expected for Chelsea. We've talked about this over and over again on this podcast Edward Mendy, as good as he's been, nobody's that good. Uh, the reality is Mendy has saved more goals than anybody in the Prem, but also it's just been more bad shooting. Uh, teams that are playing Chelsea this year, 11.5 expected goals against, but the post-shot numbers are 6.9. So what does that mean? It means when teams are shooting against Chelsea, they're just not shooting well. And that tends to regress and, and come back to normal. So looking to play against this Chelsea defense at all costs. We may see Romelu Lukaku off the bench. I doubt it, but he could get some minutes. He's working his way back to fitness. Ultimately here, though, I think both teams get on the board. Yeah, Chelsea had a fun little stretch where I think they, they outscored Southampton, Norwich, Brentford, and Newcastle 14-1, and then Burnley comes in and Burnley's them with a 1-1 draw. It's just uh, you got to love the Premier League. got to love Burnley. Uh, BJ, what about you? Do you think it's this is a, a game where you, you lay the chalk with Chelsea or are you backing the Foxes? No, I'm backing the Foxes. It's finally time just to fade Chelsea. They've had a very easy schedule for the past few months, so it's been hard to play against them. Like you mentioned, that match against Burnley, I think they had a little over three expected goals and somehow drew 1-1. Uh, but the big thing for Leicester is we've talked about them turning a corner offensively. They're much better at home than they are on the road. Uh, around a plus two expected goal differential at home versus minus two on the road. But the big thing is, is Brennan Rodgers needs to play out of a 3-4-1-2 formation. Uh, that's the only formation in which they have a positive expected goal differential out of the season, which also allows them to play some combination of Vardy, Doc, or Iheanacho up top. And it also allows James Madison to play his natural number 10 role. We've talked about the Chelsea defensive regression. This is the type of match where it's going to come, um, or at least it should come. Uh, so I only have Chelsea projected at minus 105. So uh, I'm going to take Leicester plus half a goal, plus 120. All right, let's move on to one of the 10 a.m. kickoffs on Saturday. This is a fun one. We'll head to Watford. They're plus 550 on the money line at home against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United. They're minus 200. The draw is plus 370. You cannot lay this number with Manchester United right now. You just can't do it. 
I mean, I could see some people just maybe wanting to sprinkle them in like a money line parlay with whatever teams they're betting in college football, maybe Liverpool or whatever. I just cannot fathom any you have to be sick in the head i'm gonna take a shot with watford plus 550 we talked about it a little bit at some point this manchester united team is just kind of gonna quit on ole gunner solskjaer because they know he is a little bit of a, a lame duck and a loss against a team like watford would certainly be it and uh watford's been all right uh the past three games uh claudio ranieri comes in his first game was a, a utter disaster against liverpool but since then they have a win uh against uh everton god it was depressing to watch but uh, then they hung with Saints and they were unlucky against Arsenal, right? Like that was a weird goal that Arsenal won the game 1-0 on where Watford put the ball out of play because they thought there was an injury. Arsenal didn't give it back to them. And then there should have been a foul and the buildup wasn't called. Arsenal ends up scoring and winning 1-0. So I think Watford's worth a bet uh, at home, plus 550 against a very, very vulnerable Manchester United side. BJ, where are you going? I agree. I like Watford plus one and plus 110. I mean, this, this is probably going to suck, but... You know, Watford, like you mentioned, like outside of two crazy offensive outbursts against Norwich and Everton, they haven't really been that great offensively, but I do think they'll be able to create something against Manchester United because their defense is really, really bad right now. Uh, the Red Devils are 15th in the Premier League in non-penalty expected goals allowed, 14th in big scoring chances allowed, and Watford is 10th in big scoring chances created, so... I do think Watford has a good chance of getting on the board here. Also, Paul Pogba and Rafael Varane are out uh, for Manchester United. Varane is the big loss here because we saw it against Manchester City. If Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to play a Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelof, and Eric Bailly back three, that's just not going to work going forward. And the biggest problem is, like we've mentioned, Ronaldo provides nothing defensively. Even Bruno Fernandez and Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford don't really help out that much defensively, which basically leaves Fred and Scott McTominay, who aren't you know that great of defensive midfielders in their own right, on islands, and they have to defend three, four guys. So it's just a system that doesn't work. Old Gunny Solskjaer has shown time and time again that he's not a tactical mastermind at all. I mean, Claudio Ranieri might be able to uh, outduel him in this one. Rod Wofford's the defense i mean it's it's bad they're leaking goals left and right they like you said they had a good performance against arsenal uh but they're 19th in non-penalty expectables allowed 15th in shots per 90 and 17th in box entries allowed but given the manchester united defensive problems and no paul pogba or rafael verana i do think watford can hang in this match i have manchester united projected at minus 139 if you look at 538 uh they have manually at 58 percent. so i think there's some value on watford at plus one at plus 110 anthony Elton John, he's a huge Watford supporter. One of the stands at their stadium is named Vicarage Road, is named after him. Are you going to make this three for three on uh, Sir Elton's Hornets? I guess the Hornets are yellow too, so that kind of works. Uh, and Vicarage Road, you know, yellow Vicarage yeah. Road, maybe. I don't know. But what I do know is that everything that, you know, BJ said, I, I pretty much agree with. My number is 161 on Man United. I like them more than he does, but not in this matchup at all. The reality here is Watford's pretty good on the counter. They have pieces who can threaten Man United on the counter attack. United getting way – look, I know the, the storyline is that Ronaldo is saving the job of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but when you look at his numbers, like last year at Juventus, 0.85 XG per 90 and a little over five shots per 90. That's elite striker-level play, some of the best in the world. And you can say, okay, we'll, we'll salvage the fact that he's not going to do any defensive work if we're getting that kind of shot production. What is he doing this year at Man United? 0.5 XG per 90 and a little over three shots per 90. That, that's, you know, you're losing out on two shots and almost, you know, a third of a goal per match. Uh, that's significant. He's on a bit of a hot finishing run, which is fine with him. And, you know, all the goals come in the last minute. So it looks, they feel more important than they are. But the reality is that he is not providing enough going forward 
to outweigh the drawbacks of him going uh, and not defending whatsoever, not pressuring. And Ole doesn't seem to have the answers on how to sort that out. Are they really going to play three at the back again against Watford? And what, you know, they're not good out of it in terms of trying to progress the ball up the field. Watford, if they're smart, if United comes out in a back three, let Juan Bissaka run up and down the right wing because don't guard him. He'll just send in terrible cross or terrible cross. He's awful in build up. There's rumors that Jaden Sancho might get some run out at right wing back. I mean, they're, they're an absolute disaster. And when you look at the fact that Varane is out, Pogba is out, what happens is all of the good attacking players are on the left side of the field. There's almost nothing creative on the right. They've been putting Greenwood there, who's good, but not good enough at his current state to be a consistent striker or winger in the Premier League for a top five team, which is what United's supposed to be. You know, Watford gets crushed by teams who can press effectively. Liverpool showed this. City, the top teams have pretty much smushed them. But United, vulnerable defensively. So I think, you know, I'm also on the plus one. We'll make it a three for three here. Maybe United finds their form after the international break, but I'm not betting on it. So I like Watford as well. Hold us closer. Claudio Ranieri, we're all on Watford. All right, we'll move on from two bad teams to two good teams. Uh, Wolves, plus 200 at home. Take it on West Ham, plus 145. Uh, the draw is plus 230. This is another 10 a.m. kickoff on uh, Saturday. Look like we all owe West Ham a uh, a big thank you. The whole team, they were sensational against Liverpool. Uh, really just maybe the match of the season thus far. And one that we, as a soccer better, if you had maybe not been betting soccer or you don't find it that interesting, you put a little money on a game like that and all of a sudden you're, you're sucked in. And, and you can see why it's such a fun sport to bet every weekend. That being said... It's, I think, a very, very classic sell-high spot here on uh, on West Ham against another really good team. Wolves are, they weren't off to the races at all against Palace, and they came up really short. I'm willing to kind of cross that, that game out and hope that their overall body of work is what shows here. Their defense is good enough to handle or at least compete with West Ham's near-elite offense. And Wolves' offense is pretty good, too. They're great at creating good scoring chances. They rank third in big uh, scoring chances created, so they're just a really good team. Top five in a lot of defensive metrics as well. So I like getting plus 200 against a team. Yes, West Ham's a tier above them. I'll readily admit that. But at home, getting two to one on a team like Wolves against a team that is just one tier above them. I'm going to take that uh, and run with it. So I like Wolves here. Bruno Lage's revolution is uh, going well. BJ, what about you? Yeah, probably the most shocking result of the Premier League like matches before the international break, I thought was Wolves just getting thoroughly dominated by Crystal Palace. I'll, I'll be honest, I did not see that coming at all. So hand up here. Uh, Wolves, obviously, like you said, does have a fantastic defense record. They're fourth in the Premier League in non-penalty expectables allowed, fifth in shots per 90 allowed, and third in big scoring chances allowed. But in those 11 matches, they've only faced three offenses inside the top 10 of the expected goals table, and none of those were inside the top five, which West Ham is. And this West Ham team, like we saw, they are so unbelievably good right now. They did lose the expected goals battle to Liverpool, but that's the first time that they've actually lost the expected goals battle since September 19th. You know, with, with Mikel Antonio up top, they're averaging 1.83 expected goals per match with their third in shots per 95th and big scoring chances. But the biggest thing for them offensively is that Wolves is the best pressing team in terms of pressure success rate and West Ham is the top five uh, against pressure. So I think they'll be able to break down uh, Wolves' defense and put a couple passes together and get forward. One big concern for West Ham in this one is that they're middle of the road and big scoring chances uh, allowed. And like you mentioned, uh, Wolves is up there third 
third in that same category offensively. Also, West Ham 17th and crosses completed in their own 18-yard box. So, uh, Alton Orion Semedo getting forward out in the wings could be able to find Jimenez uh, inside the box for a few chances. And, you know, West Ham's pretty average in terms of aerial duels one. Also, this is really, really big for West Ham. Declan Rice is questionable. If he is out, that is detrimental to uh, West Ham defensively because he helps out that back line that has been, you know, good but not great so far this season. And it's going to really hurt them with how good Wolves is in transition. I actually kind of like the over here. I have 2.73 goals projected for this one. So uh, I love two over two and a half goals at uh, plus 105. Yeah, I think Rice's uh, status will be interesting too because I, I think if you are betting Wolves, like I, I'm going to wait and see if there is some West Ham love coming off that result against Liverpool. But if Rice is out, I don't expect that to be the case regardless. All right, let's move on. Aston Villa with Steven Gerrard in charge. Uh, they're plus 150 home favorites against Brighton. They're plus 195. The draw sitting plus 230. Another uh, 10 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Aston Villa's last five in a row. I, I think that, and this is, I'm not the only one thinking this too, uh, Firing Dean Smith maybe wasn't the smartest idea. I get that losing five in a row is not great. It took a little bit of time for him to assimilate his new pieces, maybe longer than Aston Villa wanted. But then you bring in Steven Gerrard. Yeah, like he did well with Rangers, but uh, that's the Scottish Premier League where there's really only two teams that have the money to spend and buy the, the league title. I don't think it's a, I think it's a little questionable. This game sets up actually pretty nicely for a draw. Brighton, pretty slow moving team. They average the third lowest total goals in the Premier League right now, 2.18 coming into this match. So I think it, this is a team that is going to be working out the kinks of a new system under a new manager, taking on a really good defensive team at Brighton. I like the draw. I think the total's pretty low. It's I think it's juiced on to the under at two and a half. So maybe a one-one game here, and I can uh, get to the window. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, sign me up for 1-1. Uh, I, I like under two and a half goals. I'll have the write-up for this game. You can check that out on the Action Network. Uh, that'll be up on Friday uh, for the Saturday game. The reality here is that we're dealing with two of the three least efficient teams in the league at turning final third possession into both box possession and shots. Brighton has really struggled with their shots this year. The numbers are way down in terms of chances created, in terms of shots created. The reality is when you know Neil Mopé is your only main shot getter, you're just not going to get enough from these other guys around the pitch to make up for that. We've talked about that on the pod. I've said this before. Reality is Brighton's defense continues to be excellent. They're great with the ball at their feet. They play through pressure really well. They don't concede high quality chances too often. Robert Sanchez is out for this match. Don't love that for the under. That being said, uh, and Waypu may not play. He's been getting forward a little more. I think he's getting a little bit of freedom from Potter to, to kind of push forward a little bit more. The reality though, again, like I said, Brighton this year, has maintained its defensive solidity and Villa's defense will improve under Gerrard. I know it's, it's the Scottish Premier League, but even for, you know, Rangers quality and, and typical comparing to past Rangers teams, they were historically good defensively conceded almost nothing to their opponents. He deserves a lot of credit for that tactically organizing a team. I think they'll improve. So I'm looking to get go uh, by low on this Villa defense, but attacking wise, I'm not really buying the, the, you know, the, they bought a bunch of pieces to replace Grealish, but Ings and Watkins don't really work together. And there's kind of a, you know, an issue. They had Watkins playing out wide and Leon Bailey has been in and out of the lineup with injuries. And Emi Buendia has barely played. When he's played, he's played really poorly. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. I think it's going to take some time for Villa to sort out these attacking issues. So I think this is an under game. Two teams who are struggling to create chances from possession leads to a lot of back and forth, but not a lot of clear shots. So uh, I'm going with the under here. And you can read my full write-up on the website. Dean Smith's new team. Norwich plus 265 at home against Saints, Southampton, they're plus 110. 
The draw sitting at plus 245. Another 10 a.m. kickoff. This was a game that originally I didn't think I was going to play, but I actually believe that Dean Smith might get a little bit more out of the Norwich team than Daniel Farka, who, by the way, tip of the cat, cashes a ticket on his way out for us at a five to one of all numbers. Uh, so thank you for that, Daniel. Um, but what Dean Smith did really well at Aston Villa was during project restart after the hiatus, he got that Villa defense, which was terrible uh, in line. And, and what's Norwich's problem been? Their defensive shape has been a mess. Their defensive numbers are a mess. So I think he comes in and he might be able to solidify this team. And they're minus 165 right now to finish last. They're minus 750 to be relegated. They're probably going to do both of those things. But just something to keep in mind, maybe if you are maybe a Norwich City fan or you fell in love with them or you like Dean Smith uh, for some reason, I could see an investment on them to not finish last or or to bet another team, maybe Newcastle uh, to finish last as a, as a way to invest in Norwich. But I, I actually think that they're worth a little bit of a bet here at home. New manager bounce, as Anthony talked about on our last episode. That is a thing, right? Teams do play a little bit better under a new manager. The numbers bear it out. This team isn't good. So, you know, maybe it's just not going to happen for them. But I believe that they're going to be better than what we've seen. They're coming off a win. They celebrated that win. They should be feeling a little bit better about themselves. So give me the Canaries once again, plus 265 at home. Hopefully that number might even tick up a little bit too, because uh, Southampton has been in pretty good form. Anthony, are you joining me on the Canaries, the pain train, or are you going somewhere else in this one? Yeah, I'm targeting the total. Uh, two and a half goals. Southampton's uh, goalie, McCarthy, one of the worst in the league the last couple of years in terms of post-shot expected goals, plus or minus. This year, among the league's best. Now, I don't believe that for a second. It tends to be noisy in the short term. Do not expect him to continue to save the uh, the shots that he's been saving. We're also talking about going forward, the two worst attacks in terms of finishing this season when you consider chances created and chances finished. They're at the very bottom of the table along with Manchester City. And so Norwich totally unable to hold the lead as well. 2.2 expected goals allowed to Brentford uh, really have struggled. I mean, they've struggled at all times, but struggled especially uh, in even game states. They've fallen behind a lot early. Uh, I can't get behind Norwich here because I, I'm kind of curious as to what Dean Smith will do with this team. You know, he could improve the defense, but they still have other issues. Uh, one thing to watch here, Redmond and Livermento, Nathan Redmond, both questionable. Both have played well of late uh, and are pretty good attacking pieces and, and kind of fit the uh, Hassan Hudo mold pretty well. Uh, definitely going to be watching if they play or not, but I did fire already on two and a half over minus uh, 105. I project 2.65 goals, almost two and a half, not quite a big difference, but uh, enough for me to play it given the regression coming for both attacks and again, not buying the Alex McCarthy revival season whatsoever. And let's move on to uh, what should be a ratings bonanza. We got Burnley at home. They're plus 185, slight underdogs against Crystal Palace, plus 160. The draw is plus 225. I truly believe Burnley's better than their results so far this season. However, I'm not willing to get in front of this Crystal Palace team right now. The defense has been really, really good under Patrick Vieira. They're third in non-penalty expected goals against. They're third at big chances against. They're not the greatest team at defending the cross, which does concern me a little bit. But I like this midfield to win out, the talent to win out in this game. So I think a bet on Palace at plus 160 is totally fine on the road at Burnley. It's definitely not going to be the game of the weekend, at least right now. It doesn't look like it's going to set up to be, but I think uh, this Crystal Palace team is definitely one to put on your list as a team that you you should be backing regularly, uh, especially against better opposition. Uh, so why not take a shot here at a, at a decent number? BJ, do you see anything in this matchup? 
Yeah, I kind of lean Burnley a little bit. Obviously, the Crystal Palace defense has been very impressive, but Jockey Manderson is questionable, which is big because he's played pretty much every single match uh, next to Marquee. One big thing to look out, and you always have to look out whenever you're handicapping Burnley, is how good are the opposing team defending corners because Burnley has created 5.6 expected goals uh, off of corners this season, but only scored three. Crystal Palace has allowed six goals off of corners this season. So, and like you already mentioned, you know, allowing a ton of crosses to their own box, that's not great against a Burnley team that basically just scores all of their goals off of headers. So I lean Burnley. If Crystal Palace gets steamed, you'll probably see a Burnley play come in on the action or cap for me. But other than that, it's just stay away. All right, let's move on. Newcastle plus 165. Uh, they're at home against Brentford plus 175. The draw plus 230. Betting against this Newcastle team is going to be something I'm going to do a lot uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, I talked about it last week or, or two weeks ago a little bit. Like I just can't really see how these players are going to continually get up for these matches, knowing what's to come, that they are probably going to be shipped out at the first opportunity in January or at least in the summer. So that's quite the opposite with this Brentford team. This is a galvanized team. They are playing as a team. They love their manager. They play a fun brand of football. Yeah, they've been dealing with some injuries. But their offense has been good there, especially for a team coming out of the championship, top 10 in all the underlying metrics we would like to look at, non-penalty expected goals, big chances, shots per 90, and the Newcastle defense is abysmal. Eddie Howe is in town, and he's not what you would call a uh, defensive whiz, so I don't really see any improvement coming through the managerial change. So give me uh, Brentford at a, at a good number, I think, plus 175, probably a little bit of a, a buy low spot with the way they've been playing. Uh, they're a better team. I know they're on the road, but this Newcastle team is such a mess that when the numbers the numbers are this good to go against them, I'm going to do it every time. Anthony, are you joining me uh, on the bees? Yeah, up the bees, baby. Uh, bzz. Uh, our bees. Uh, look, I faded them a couple times. I feel like I got a little lucky uh, fading them uh, against Norwich. I mean, they did concede a goal, so that was kind of they deserved to concede a goal. They gave up two in the end, uh, but betting against them a couple of times. Like I mentioned, a little lucky, but here's a time where I'm looking at their performances and I'm waiting for the big drop off and it just isn't coming. Uh, Brentford's defense has regressed a little bit. They had that terrible performance against Burnley. Uh, they've had some injuries. Uh, David Raya going out, hurting goalkeeping situation, but the attack is still there. Uh, Thomas Frank gave a great interview in his post-match against Norwich where he talked about how they were creating a bunch of expected goals and that's all you can do. And sometimes in football, the chances just don't, you know, you don't finish them that day and that's what happened. Uh, I don't really read too much into the loss to Norwich. It's obviously a bad loss, but it's not the end of the world. I'm not sure what to make of the Eddie Howe hire either. His teams at Bournemouth were never good defensively. They played a lot of, you know, we're going to try to pass through you and we're going to make a ton of mistakes with our guys who are very mediocre ball players, And we're going to give up a ton of high quality chances. So I'm not really sure that he has the, the personnel to play that he wants to here. He's coming into a team in the middle of the season. Like Michael said, unclear of their futures at the club. Callum Wilson and, and Alan St. Maxwell will be fine. They're great. Wilson played under Howe at Bournemouth. Brentford's defense still has some regression coming, I think. Like, I think they'll probably concede here. But again, if we're looking at who's more likely to win this, my numbers make Brentford minus 120 on the draw no bet line. So I'm fine taking minus 110 uh, away from home here. Brentford, bounce back spot. Uh, we're on them. I think we're yeah. all on them, right, BJ? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, like you mentioned with Eddie Howe, like those – 
form the teams, they, they like to play a lot very open. And they obviously, like you said, they gave up a ton of high quality chance as well. How's that going to work at Newcastle right now with how bad their defense is? So Newcastle this season, they've spent 400 minutes in a 5-3-2, which is a very defensive formation. And when they're playing out of that formation, they're allowing 2.39 expected goals per 90 minutes. So that's how bad their defense is. They're playing such a defensive formation and they're still allowing all these. So how are they going to play open with Eddie Howe? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like you mentioned, Brentford, you know, they're top six in pretty much uh, every single defensive metrics. I don't really know how Newcastle is going to create a lot of high quality chances here. The biggest thing is Newcastle is terrible against pressure, 19th in pressure success rate allowed and dead last in offensive passes per defensive action, which is horrible against a Brentford team that loves to press high and win the ball up high. They're, they have the seventh highest pressing rate and they're first in ball recoveries. So like you mentioned, I have uh, Brentford projected as a slight favorite. So I also love them on the draw no bet line, the minus 110. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny that they went from Unai Emery, like they tried to get him in town. He's a guy who loves to set up teams well-structured defensively, and then they go with Eddie Howe, who has quite the opposite, which just goes to show you and kind of accentuates the point that I was making that this team is right now a mess, and I don't think anybody really knows what direction they're going in other than towards the Middle East and their moral compass is going way south. Uh, Sunday, let's move on. Manchester City, speaking of middle teams owned by clubs in the Middle East, uh, they're minus 650 at home against my beloved and depressing Everton 15 to one on the money line. The draw is uh, seven and a half to one. This is a Sunday 9am kickoff. The one thing I will say uh, for Everton is that they have been able to create chances and their offensive numbers aren't too bad under Rafa Benitez. Unfortunately, not having Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the lineup kind of negates that situation a little bit. And they are going up against perhaps one of the best defensive teams in Europe. This is a spot where I'm an Everton fan. So this is a grain of salt, like a small, very small, small, small bet uh, for fun bet. Cause I don't see any value on this game, but I'll probably just back Everton on 15 to one. Look, Palace crashed at 20 to one against Man City on the road. So hell, why not Everton? Uh, because they're terrible. That's why. Um, BJ, where do you see this one? Obviously don't think you're going to be laying the minus 650 here with City, but do you see any value elsewhere? No, this is way too high. And it's depressing because, you know, like City, you can't find a lot of negatives with them right now. You know, I think around a plus 17 non-penalty expected goal differential so far this season. Uh, They're first in every single defensive metric. They're second in every single offensive metric behind Liverpool. Like, I just can't really find anything that's, you know, negative about Manchester City. But with that being said, this is is too high. You know, like you mentioned, Everton has been creating chances without Dominique Calvert-Lewin in the eight matches. They're averaging 1.4 expected goals without him. Uh, they're still eighth in shots per 90, second in crosses completed in the 18 yard box and eighth in box entry. So it's not a horrible, horrible offense that, you know, is not gonna be able to create anything against city. And, you know, Everton, obviously, like you mentioned, they've been really bad defensively, specifically allowing big scoring chances, which is a nightmare going up against Manchester city. But Yuri Mina is, looks like he's going to be back, which is a big boost for them because Everton has had to play at either Ben Godfrey or Mason Holgate in the center back pairing uh, with Michael Keane, which just doesn't work because those two guys are naturally wing backs. So having Yurimina alongside Michael Keane in the 4-4-2 is going to be good. Also, Andre Gomez will be back playing alongside Allen in the midfield. So there'll be a, a little more defensive structure from Everton. So hopefully some of those defensive issues will kind of get sorted out. But this is just too high. I only have Manchester City protected at minus 285. If you look at info goal. They only have City at 71%. Uh, so, you know, minus 650 is close to like 82, 83%. So I'll take a shot uh, and take Everton plus two uh, at plus 110. It's too high. It yeah, just it's is just too high. It's just not going to be fun. Just a, like another thing too with this Everton team, like not only is Calvert-Lewin being out, like Ducore 
not playing too. Like that's just completely thrown off their midfield. And I think actually Andre Gomez, who's, who's not been terribly good over the past year, actually is fills a really gaping uh, need for this team. So uh, 15 to one plus two, however you want to bet it. I, I really do think it's uh, the toppies or nothing at this number. Uh, the team that Everton played the last time they were out a nil nil draw against Spurs uh, Spurs under Antonio Conte are minus 140 home favorites against Leeds United plus 350 on the road. The draws plus 310. This is Sunday, the 1130 m kickoff. It's the last match on the docket for the Premier League. I don't have anything on this game right now, but I do will say if you are going to bet Spurs, I would do what you should always do against Leeds and take a look at the alternative spreads, whatever you want to call them, uh, because if you beat Leeds, it's likely you're going to beat them by two or three goals with the way their defense plays. Even with Antonio Conte not really getting this team up to speed yet on his system with Son and, and looks like Harry Kane is maybe back in form because he just ran rampant over a couple powerhouses in Europe like San Marino and Moldova. I think he had hat-tricks in both those games. Maybe he's back. Uh, I think that's the only way I would bet it. Anthony, you're the Spurs fan on this podcast. So I'm going to go to BJ first and see what he has to say uh, for this match. Yeah, Tottenham wasn't impressive at all against Everton. They actually looked pretty bad under Antonio Conte. Uh, only 0.85 expected goals created in a 0-0 draw. They didn't have a shot on target, and they only had 12 touches in Everton's penalty area. You know, Conte did play out of a 3-4-2-1 instead of his usual 3-5-2, which are pretty similar systems. So we'll see if uh, that continues. He didn't play Tange and Doble or didn't start him. So we'll see if he comes into the midfield. And listen, I know there's a new manager at Tottenham, and they're eventually they're going to improve. But as it stands right now, this team is really, really bad. They are only creating 0.97 non-penalty expected goals per match. That's 16th in the Premier League, despite having what some people would call maybe the greatest striker on the planet, even though he only has one goal and 10 appearances and a 0.23 expected goal per 90-minute scoring rate. But whatever, he scores four goals against San Marino and three goals against Murrah in the fake Europa Conference League, and suddenly he's the best striker in the world. Cool. And listen, with Tottenham right now, obviously, you know, the new manager boost is big, but going from a substitute teacher in Nuno Espirito Santo to a drill sergeant in Antonio Conte is a massive switch in the mindset of what Tottenham is. And it takes time for him to implement his system and implement what he's doing. I don't know if you saw this, but he's removed all the condiments and told the cooks at the cafeteria to stop cooking with butter and oil. Like, I don't know if I'm a player, I'm like, dang, I kind of like having mayo on my sandwich, you know, and now I can't have that. That sucks. You know, eventually they'll be there. Eventually they'll be the fittest team in the Premier League and they'll be running rampant and they'll be great. But as it stands right today, Tottenham is a bottom half of the table side in the Premier League. And I think this Leeds team is actually starting to kind of turn a corner. Uh, they outplayed Wolves and Leicester, which I thought were both very impressive performances. Marcelo Bielsa's side defensively, you know, they're still 16th in non-penalty expectables allowed, but they're only eighth in big scoring chances allowed, fifth in box entries allowed, and second in crosses completed in their own 18-yard box. So they're basically just allowing a high volume of low-quality chances. And also, you know, Calvin Phillips was out for a few matches. He's been back for the last two, which will provide more stability in their midfield and Leeds' press should be able to be effective against Tottenham because Tottenham hasn't been great against the pressure uh, pressure this season. Leeds is first and passes per defensive action and second in pressure success rate. Well, Tottenham's 13th against the press. So as it stands, Tottenham is way overvalued in this spot. You look at any other projection model, nobody has them even close to uh, minus 140, which is around 58%. I only have Tottenham at plus 114. So I love Leeds plus half a goal at plus 120. And they might actually be my favorite underdog this week. These two managers are uh, obsessive about soccer as, as, a, as you can get. So this is going to be an interesting hug or handshake at the end of uh, the match. Uh, 73% of Leeds matches uh, have featured both teams scoring. 
only 27% for Spurs. Uh, so it's, it is an interesting matchup in terms of cocaine ball that Leeds United plays and the lumbering style football that Spurs has played this season. Anthony, I don't think you have anything on this game from what we discussed pre-match, but I will let you get in 30 seconds on Tottenham. Yeah, Christian Romero picked up a knock against Brazil in uh, the World Cup qualifying match they played the other day. He is questionable. I'm not sure they have enough center backs that are any good uh, if he's out. So playing the 3-5-2 with Ben Davis, Eric Dyer, and Romero is fine. But when you take out Romero and all of a sudden it's Davidson Sanchez, all of a sudden I have major question marks about the defending ability. Uh, Leeds pressed them off the pitch in the spring when they played at the end of the season Spurs were not nearly fit enough. The fitness levels have improved marginally under a Spirito Santo, and I expect them to get even better with Conte, but they still don't deal with pressure well. Keeps me off this. It's going to take Conte some time. And, uh, you know, the, the new manager bump is priced into the market at this point almost excessively. Uh, we saw Tottenham close like plus 120 against Everton. It got very steamed with the, the new manager uh, thing. They're just not good at turning final third possession into shots right now. Uh, I'm going to see what the lineup looks like on Sunday morning and then make a decision on this one. Follow me in the app. Right now, no play. You know, I think there's going to be an improvement eventually, but he's got to play the right guys, figure out what system he wants to do. All right, let's hop over uh, the channel and into Europe proper. We'll start in the Bundesliga with our favorite bets there. Anthony, what are you looking at here in Germany's top flight? Yeah, I was back and forth on a couple of games, uh, but I'm going with mines plus 115. I know BJ likes it too. I got it in my prep in before he did this week for the first time, I think ever. So I was able to take that one. Uh, the reality is Cone's a little overrated here. Anthony Modest is having an unreal year. He's got the third most goals in the Bundesliga. He's got eight for uh, Cone, but I'm not expecting all of a sudden him to become the third best striker in the Bundesliga. I think he's going to you know, cool off quite a bit here. Uh, he's really carrying what's been an otherwise mediocre Cone attack. They've been much better at home. They've been on the road this year. They've also been a little bit fortunate uh, you know, they've had a lot of come from behind wins, which tends to be a little dubious. Uh, and so when they've played upper half or better teams, they've really struggled. I seem to recall a five nil drubbing at Hoffenheim. And I think this is a similar spot here. Mines under Svensson have played really solid. They're one of the better teams in the Bundesliga, fifth and expected goal difference. Uh, looked a little shaky against Gladbach last time out. Don't think they're going to end up finishing fifth, but I think they're a much better team than Cone. And I'm getting them at plus 115 at home. My projection minus 132. So I'm surprised they're plus money here. I like mines. Uh, if not mines, uh, then who, BJ? I also love mines, but I'm going to go to the Augsburg Bayern Munich match on Friday. And I think most people know where I'm going with this, but I'm actually going to flip it on you. For the first time, and I can't, I, it must be been like two and a half years, I actually have some value on Bayern Munich. And I feel like I'm living in a dream right now because I have their spread projected at minus 2.37. And honestly, like Bayern's numbers are out of this world right now. They're averaging 3.37 expected goals per match. Let me say that again. 3.37 expected goals per match to their first 11 matches. And I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever seen uh, an expected goal average that high this deep into the season. Uh, so... You know, Byron's obviously number one in every single offensive metric uh, in the Bundesliga, and they're going up against one of the worst teams uh, in Germany. So this one could get really, really ugly. Augsburg is allowing 1.89 non-penalty expected goals per match. That's 17th in the Bundesliga. They're also 16th in shots allowed per 90, and they allowed over three expected goals to Dortmund, Mainz, and Freiburg this season. So what's Bayern Munich going to do? They're just going to absolutely thrash them. And Bayern Munich's obviously a team that does not take their foot off the gas. Defensively, Bayern Munich's actually improved a lot under Nagelsmann. Their uh, center back pairing of Upamecano and Sule, they've only allowed 8.98 expected goals through 11 matches, which is actually an improvement from last season when they allowed 1.14 expected goals per match. Honestly, I think they're just the best team in the world right now. They've showed it time and time again. Nobody has even come close to them. So I'm tired of betting against Bayern Munich. So I'm going to bet on them for the first time this season and take their spread of minus two and a half at plus 120. Uh, if you can't beat them, join them. 
says BJ Cunningham as he goes to the dark side of Bayern Munich. Uh, and a word for Alfonso Davies and the Canadian national team in that game against Mexico in the in the snow in Edmonton. Uh, that was hilarious. Uh, Snover. Uh, how everybody in the world didn't just put every bit of their their mortgage and their company's assets on Canada. That is uh, besides me. My favorite bet in the Bundesliga. I like Bochum. Uh, six and a half to one against Leverkusen, 9.30 in the morning on Saturday. Expected points. Leverkusen, 0.14.89. Bochum, uh, 14.06. So in terms of their play this season, not that far off. Uh, and let's look at their current form. Leverkusen comes in 0-2-2. Bochum, uh, 3-1. and one, And their only loss is, was to uh, Gladbach. So they're in uh, pretty good form here. The, the underlying numbers are basically bang on. So give me the team at six and a half to one, if that's the case, even if they are on the road and have less talent. Uh, let's move to Syria. Uh, I'll start. I like Napoli plus 220 in the game of the weekend in Italy. Uh, they're taking on Inter on uh, 12 p.m. on Sunday. Inter has been really good against teams in the bottom half of the t- uh, when they're playing competition that's kind of on their level or perhaps maybe a little bit better or a little bit worse. It's They're struggling. They have draws against Juventus, Atalanta, AC Milan, and they lost to Lazio. They're beating up on everybody else. And Napoli's numbers, they're really good, uh, especially defensively. They deserve to be in first place in Serie A, and that's where they are. Plus 220 on the road. Uh, I'll take a shot on Napoli. Anthony, what's your favorite bet in Italy this weekend? The ultimate pain bet in all of Italy for the last couple of years has been trying to catch Atalanta in a spot uh, where you can bet an under on them. And I think I've got one uh, against Spezia on Saturday morning. The reality here for Atalanta, a lot of their main strikers are older and a lot of their main strikers played significant minutes in World Cup qualifying, be it Ilicic playing uh, in Europe or be it Zapata playing for Colombia. Muriel uh, has been in and out of the lineup with injuries. Spezia, there's nothing to like about them whatsoever, uh, but my projection has this game at 3.1 expected goals, so I'm okay taking three and a half under. The reality is Atalanta's attack is starting to show some cracks, some aging signs. They're only fifth in expected goals, whereas the last four years they were number one or number two every single year. So there's been a little bit of a slippage, uh, and the defense has been solid overall. Um, They haven't been quite... Uh, as leaky as years past. So I think this is a game, hopefully we don't get an early Spezia goal that turns this game into chaos, but uh, under three and a half is where I'm looking. I think this is a good spot just off the break to get an Atalanta under in. BJ, your favorite bet in Syria uh, this weekend. Yeah, I like uh, Juventus plus 140 on the road at Lazio. Juventus is starting to turn a corner. They got a much-deserved uh, late winner against Fiorentina right before the international break. They have a plus 5.8 non-penalty expected goal differential through 12 matches, but they're currently sitting in eighth place. Meanwhile, Lazio has about an even uh, non-penalty expected goal differential, but yet again, somehow is in fifth place because they did this exact same thing last season. Juventus will have big advantages offensively against the Lazio defense. That is just an absolutely torched every single time they have to play a decent opponent against AC Milan, Roma, and Inter this season. Lazio allowed a combined 8.27 expected goals in those three matches. Juventus is fourth in expected goals. They've created 20 so far this season, but have only scored 16 actual goals. So they'll have some positive regression offensively. Juventus is also second in big scoring chances, fifth in cross 
crosses completed to the 18 yard box while Lazio is allowing the third most crosses into their own 18 yard box. Lazio also one of the worst pressing teams in Italy. Uh, so Juventus should be able to move the ball and get forward and connect some passes and get it up to our favorite striker, Alvaro Morata to put one away. Uh, Juventus defensively has been solid. They're fourth in expectables allowed, fifth in big scoring chances allowed. While Lazio offensively is basically just entirely built off creating big scoring chances with Immobile. They're fourth in big scoring chances, but 14th in shots per 90. I have Juventus projected at plus 125. So I think there's some value on them at plus 140. And now we will shift to Spain, La Liga. I'll start with the Friday afternoon kickoff, 3 p.m. My Basque boys, my wonderful, wonderful athletic club, Bilbao. They're plus 125 against Levante. I like Bilbao not to draw, but to actually win this one. Uh, They are an incredible defensive team. Uh, Levante's offensive numbers do not strike fear in anybody. Uh, And Bilbao is pretty good offensively too. They are top six in big chances created and non-penalty expected goals. Uh, The Levante defense in a a league that everybody has a pretty good defense is pretty mediocre. Uh, So I like the number here, plus 125 at home in the Basque country for Bilbao. Anthony, do you have a play in Spain for us this weekend? Yeah, Osasuna plus 1.25 against Atletico Madrid. I've been fading Atletico and getting really lucky uh, that they haven't been getting really lucky because you just bank on Atletico finding some weird goal late to screw you. Uh, That's just pretty much how it happens when you bet Atleti. Like you have to factor in that they're going to score a goal in the last five minutes, but they haven't been. uh, And I really have doubts about how good they really are. Uh, Still running way hot in front of goal, offensively regressing defensively, not quite keeping out the goals despite absurd chances allowed so they're running about normal defensively but this Osasuna team it's really more of a buy on them I think their defense is is really underrated across the board held Real Madrid out for 90 minutes at the Bernabeu and it really wasn't close to scoring for Real they disrupted their patterns really well thought it was an impressive performance then just don't think Atleti can get margin the way they're playing right now Osasuna steals a goal may lose 2-1 at worst but I, I think this is a good number here on Osasuna and what I think is going to be a low scoring game where they make it very difficult for Atleti to score and get margin to cover the 1.25. And BJ, bring us home in Spain. Yeah, this is the worst match of the entire weekend across any match in Europe. <laughs> uh, Getafe versus Cadiz on uh, Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Don't wake up for this one. Don't set your alarm for this one. You know, I don't really typically like betting these horrible matches, but this is a situation where this line makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Getafe is the worst offensive team, not just in Spain, in all of Europe. They play out of a very defensive 4-4-2 formation. And so far this season, they have created 6.71 non-penalty expected goals in 13 matches. That's a 0.52 average, and we are six matches away from the halfway point in the season. So it's no surprise that they're dead last in big scoring chances and box entries, but they're also the worst team against pressure in La Liga. And they're also 17th in ball recoveries allowed while Cadiz defensively. They haven't been great by expected goals, but they're third in passes for defensive action and fourth in ball recovery. So I have a hard time seeing how Getafe is going to string a bunch of passes to together and actually move the ball and get it forward. And usually when you, you know, especially in Spain, when you have these teams that play out of a 4-4-2, very defensive formations, a lot of their goals, you know, thinking of Burnley, come off of set pieces. Getafe this season has had 45 set pieces and they have created 2.37 total expected goals. That's a 0.05 per set piece expected goal average. That's the worst in La Liga. Cadiz isn't a great offensive team. You know, they're bottom five in pretty much every single metric you look at, but Getafe, they're one of the worst defensive teams in Spain as well. So, and that's why they have a negative uh, 11.34 expected goal differential through 13 matches. But somehow through all of that, they are even money favorites at home which makes absolutely zero sense to me. I have Getafe projected at around plus 140. So 
I love Cadiz plus half a goal at minus 115. And now is the part of the show where Anton and I dim the lights. We take out a baguette, maybe a little bit of coffee, and let BJ, Dubuque, Iowa's foremost league expert, take us for his favorite bet in France this weekend. Yeah, let's uh, let's fade him again. We're back. Uh, Strasbourg versus Stade de Reims. Strasbourg, even money at home. Strasbourg was one of the most unlucky teams in league on last season. They sold both their starting center backs, but they've rebounded really nicely. They've been very good offensively, 1.52 expected goals per match, and are the number one team in league on in big scoring chances, creating 25 so far this season. Now, I will say, I'll give Reims some credit. They are a good defensive team. They're top seven in pretty much every single defensive metric, except... Crosses completed in their own 18 yard box. They've allowed the fifth most in league un. And that's a problem in this matchup because Strasbourg, that's how they create a lot of their chances. They play out of a 5 3 2. So what happens a lot is they like to get the ball out wide to their, let their wing backs go forward and cross it in the box. And that's how they create a lot of their big scoring chances. So it's a really bad matchup for Reims defensively. And Strasbourg also has been an incredible form at home. In seven matches, they have a plus 5.61 non penalty expected goal differential. And Stade de Reims, once again, is the worst offensive team in France. They're currently sitting in 16th place and they are dead last in non-penalty expected goals. They're also 18th in big scoring chances, dead last in crosses completed in the 18-yard box. And the biggest problem in this one is they're one of the worst teams in league on against pressure. Dead last in offensive passes per defensive action and 15th in pressure success rate allowed. Strasbourg, middle of the road pressing team. I have Strasbourg projected at minus 133. If you look at 538, they have Strasbourg at 53%. Info goal has them close to, has them at 52%. So I love Strasbourg plus 100 fading Stad dreams once again. All right. And now it's time to move to our favorite portion of the program. And as always, I will warn you, these bets are not for the faint of heart, uh, our favorite underdogs of the weekend. And then we will wrap them all together uh, for a three leg parlay. I'll start Bochum six and a half to one against Leverkusen uh, 9 30 AM on Saturday morning in the Bundesliga. Like I said, Leverkusen, 14.89 expected points on the season. Bochum, 14.06. The underlying numbers are very similar. The form favors Bochum. Uh, so I like taking a shot here at plus 650 to anchor this parlay and give us a little bit of juice. Anthony, what is your favorite underdog this weekend? Yeah, you know, I'm starting to lose faith. Uh, their Firth, man, that was, that was one of the worst losses I've had all year on their money line. Won the expected goals battle 2.9 to 1.4. Equalized in stoppage time and conceded a minute later. Absolute pain. It was Praying. sick what they did. Uh, it was sickening. Sick. Sickening. Uh, and yes, I was watching that over football. Uh, but uh, Eintracht Frankfurt plus 240 is where I'm looking here. I faded Frankfurt two weeks ago. They got lucky. But this number doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, I understand that Frankfurt has been really bad to start the season. But at what point are we going to say, like, they were way too good last year to all of a sudden have completely fallen off a cliff? Unless we think Adi Hooter is like the greatest manager ever. Uh, they didn't really lose anybody besides Andre Silva. And Silva's not doing a ton at Leipzig anyway. They have some pieces who are doing a decent job uh, of replacing him, but it's just not quite showing up at the numbers. It feels like Frankfurt is getting closer uh, and they're going to break through at some point. I want to be there uh, when they do. My projections have them at plus 200 here. I'm not quite sure why they're uh, such a big underdog. So give me Eintracht Frankfurt plus 240. Uh, and, and look, I'm sure they'll find a way to blow it. So, you know, I'm just <laughs> expecting it to go poorly at this point. But, you know, we'll see how this goes. Freiburg running incredibly lucky at both ends of the pitch. Uh, yeah, the way these underdogs have been going, like we'll, we'll hit one 
one will be an absolute always pain. the always the first one yeah always the, the first one and then and then it'll be an absolute pain train loss and then the third one won't come close uh bj yeah. what is your favorite underdog play across europe this weekend yeah, I already mentioned it. Leeds plus 350 on Sunday against Tottenham. Listen, this Tottenham team, they're going to improve under Antonio Conte. I truly believe that, and I'm an unbiased person. But as it stands today, this team is a bottom half of the table team. They are only creating 0.97 non-penalty expect goals per match, and what some people are calling the best striker in the world has one goal in 10 appearances. And I think this Leeds team is starting to turn a corner. They had great performances against Wolves and Leicester before the international break. Uh, defensively, they're just, they're not allowing a ton of high quality chances. They're just allowing a ton of high, a high volume of low quality chances, which I think is good uh, against a Tottenham team that really doesn't create high quality chances at all. So I have Leeds projected at plus 246. So I love them at plus 350. Uh, if you play all three of those in a parlay, 114 to one, uh, just a little bit north of uh, what Manchester United is to uh, win the Premier League. They're 100 to one right now. And let's wrap this show up. Our favorite Premier League bets for this coming weekend. BJ, we'll start with you. Where's your money going in the Prem? Yeah, I'm going Brentford, uh, draw no bad at minus 105. Fantastic matchup for Brentford, who I don't think we mentioned. I think they might be the new Brighton uh, this season. You know, they're currently in 14th place, but they have a plus 5.31 non-penalty expected goal differential. That's fifth uh, in the Premier League. Uh, like we mentioned, they had uh, a good result, uh, or not a good result, but they won the expected goals battle pretty handily against Norwich right before the international break. And I'm really just fading this Newcastle team who now has Eddie Howe managing, and we already mentioned it. I don't know what he's going to do with this defense right now. They play out of a very they played out of a very defensive 5-3-2 formation uh, under the last manager Steve Bruce, but they allowed 2.37 uh, expected goals per 90 minutes. So Eddie Howe typically plays played very open uh, with Bournemouth uh, when he was last in the Premier League. So I don't really understand how he's going to play open with this Newcastle team, given how bad they are defensively. I have Brentford projected as a slight favorite, so I like the bees. Uh, draw no bet at minus 105. Yeah, I like. Brentford too. You beat me to that one. So I'm going to go with the other new Brighton or one of the other new Brightons besides Wolves and Brentford. I like Crystal Palace uh, plus 160. Uh, they're taking on Burnley. I think the talent should win out. Connor Gallagher in the midfield. Wilfred Zaha going forward. Uh, this team is good defensively. They're good in the midfield and they have uh, a game breaker in Zaha. So give me the Eagles uh, on the road. Take it on Burnley plus 160. Anthony, uh, wrap up the program, please. Yeah, Leicester and Chelsea, both teams to score, getting up early on Saturday morning. This is all about Chelsea defensive regression. They have conceded four goals from 11 expected goals, only 6.9 post-shot expected. So teams are just not uh, shooting well against them. That will not continue forever. Leicester City's attack has been trending up for weeks. We're starting to see more involvement of guys like Daka and Iannaccio who are trending up in the right direction to take some of those Vardy minutes off of him. Uh, Tielemans is questionable for Leicester, which I don't love here. But that being said, Chelsea has not been good when defending leads which they're favored to do, you know, in this match, they're favored to be ahead at some point. So they're only, they're allowing 1.68 expected goals per 90 when leading this season. So they have not been able to kill off games. Leicester will get on the board here. Chelsea's attack has actually been pretty good without Lukaku and Werner. Uh, and so I'm expecting both teams to score here. Minus 120, my number minus 148. So expecting a high scoring game here at the King Power Stadium. All right, uh, that wraps up this week's episode of Wonder Goal. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. As you know, we are getting into the festive fixtures pretty soon here. Uh, so a lot of soccer coming our way over the next two months. We can't wait. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And when you do that, 
If you leave your Twitter handle in the review, you will automatically be entered into a contest to win the soccer jersey of your choice from this season. That contest will wrap up at the end of the month, so please be sure to do it as soon as possible. The other contest, the tweet at Chad Millman contest, will also wrap up at the end of the month. Uh, so for Anthony DeBundo, for BJ Cunningham, and for our producers Tommy and Matt, thank you very much for listening to Wonder Goal, and we'll see you next week.